Good morning, everyone. We will be continuing our lessons in uh, in Proverbs this morning. So, if you would turn to Proverbs with me there, and we will continue there. But also, um, this morning's Bible class struck me um, on a lot of things, and uh, I think Joshua did a, a wonderful job, and I want to thank him again for that. In Acts, the second chapter, in the 28th verse, we read David uh, quoted there, and the 28th verse says, You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Uh, when I read that, I think about a lot of things, but having read that again this morning in light of, of my own study and, and preparation in Proverbs, I, I think of it in this way. God doesn't leave us without the knowledge that we need. He teaches us the paths of life. There literally is nothing in this life that should really surprise us. If we are studiers of the Word of God, if we are, if we know what the Word of God says, God spends the the entire Bible, uh, you know, to to teach us what people are going to think, how people are going to be, how you're going to react, be be reacted to, how you yourself should act in every situation that I could possibly think of. And every time I think there's something there that doesn't apply or that, that's not talking to me about a specific thing, I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I can find it. I can find the elements of how I'm supposed to walk through life and how you're supposed to walk through life. And so this morning we're going to continue our studies there in Proverbs. And we're going to continue uh, kind of an overview of Proverbs 5 through 7. So if you turn there, uh, 5 through 7, we're going to concentrate on those uh, particular chapters and do a bit of an overview there. Now, Solomon spends a lot of time in these passages giving warnings about a life dedicated to sensuality and sexuality and uh, a life that is burdened with those sins. And so we have to understand then that this is a this is a constant challenge. We are we are constantly uh, inundated with these kinds of temptations, with these kinds of sins. It also should, uh, and and I speak with people about this all the time. the The Bible tends to focus in on these. It it may even surprise us that the Bible spends a lot of time speaking about the evils of sensuality, of sexual sin. And it spends a lot of time talking about the sins of wealth, too, and how wealth can turn. And when we look at those things, we look at wealth, is it inherently sinful? No, it's not. Are these particular desires inherently sinful? No, they are not. They're not inherently sinful at all. However, this is something that the Bible teaches us again and again that has been the downfall of people since the beginning of time itself. And so we look at this and we see that Solomon is not afraid to address that. And he actually tells us that this is the avoidance of things that are, that are very strange to us. 
and depending on your Bible version, he might call this symbolic uh, adulteress here as we look in chapter 5 or the, the, the fifth proverb. Uh, she's called strange. She is sometimes called foreign. She is sometimes called forbidden. Uh, all great and appropriate references. Uh, not one is better than the other. She stands as a contrast to those things that should be familiar to us. She stands as a contrast to what things are true. Things that are sound. Things that are wholesome. She stands in contrast to those. And so, all we need to do is really, when we read this, reassure ourselves that when Solomon speaks of the adulteress, when he speaks of the strange, the forbidden, the the foreign woman, He's speaking of somebody who isn't our spouse. Isn't that just a, a terribly simple request? <laughs> I mean, we, we couldn't get any more simple than that. Stay away from, from any kind of sensuality or sexuality with people or anyone who is not your spouse. Oh, that should be easy to follow. That's, that's yeah, okay, I got it. If I'm not married to them, don't touch them. You know, I spend most of my days during the school year going, get your hands off. Get your hands off her. Get your hands off him. Separate, please. Go to, you know, because there's always this touchy, touchy, feely, feely, kissy, kissy, whatever it is kind of thing going on. And, and Solomon is being very clear here, but we just don't want to listen to it quite often. It is not in our makeup to figure that out. A very simple request. Do not unchastely, do not disrespectfully handle another with whom you are not covenanted. It's it's a very simple request. But see, sinners, they don't care about that. And we as sinners, we know we didn't care about that at one point or another. Maybe we don't care about that right now. And we have to be honest with ourselves that Solomon is being very clear. Sinners do what they please. Sinners do what they desire. Sinners do what they want to do. And they don't care what the consequences are. And they don't care what the price is. And you and I have to look at that soundly, uh, perfectly, and understand that's the whole attractive nature of sin. That's exactly what it's all about. You and I can do whatever we want for the most part. You know, we say, well, as long as there were consenting adults. No, no, you know, that's not what the Bible says at all. Because you're okay with it and I'm okay with it doesn't make it okay. And just because you and I want to uh, cooperate in sinfulness doesn't somehow change God's view of the sinfulness and the danger of that sinfulness. And that's very difficult for us, isn't it? And I mean, we have to admit that's difficult for us. In Proverbs, the fifth chapter there, and the sixth chapter, and the seventh, I'd like us to look at three particular passages there. Passages. Look at Proverbs 5 and 3. The lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Okay, let's remember that. Chapter 6. Go over to chapter 6 and verse 25. 
Do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. And then chapter 7, chapter 7, 18 through 21, come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He is gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. And with her smooth talk, she compels him. Did Solomon know what he was talking about or what? How has that changed? Has anything become any different over the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds compounded by hundreds of years that have passed since that time? Solomon is teaching us the path of life. Just like Acts 2 teaches us that he does. David taught this. Solomon knows this. And now Solomon is trying to teach that to his child. And look at what he says. Very simple. There's a pattern here. There is flattery. There is attraction. And there is seduction. There's your pattern. If you see one of those things, you know you're about to engage or be tempted by sin. And it's very important that we see that there. That's the system of the fornicator. That's the system of the one that wants to wreck your home if you are already married. That is the system of the adulteress. That is the system of the prostitute. And as the Bible calls them perfectly, that is the system of the whore. And that is exactly the way it works. And we, we kind of shy away from that. We say, well, that's taboo kind of stuff. No, no, no. Solomon says, no, listen. Listen closely. Let this fall into your ear and your mind and your heart. Make sure that you understand this. Because it's so sad how easily we are taken by compliment. How easily looks can consume us and how easily empty promises can take advantage of us. Look at our lives, I mean, after all. We are not often complimented, right? After all. So we would say, it's nice to hear a compliment. Men and women say that alike. This is what the son needs to understand. Isn't that a strange thing to say? Hey, Dad, there's this girl and she complimented me. Watch out! You know? Okay, so should I follow the one that calls me a dirtbag? You know, no, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that. He's saying, look, make sure that you wait for that, that you understand that. Why is she complimenting you? The answer that always would come back is, well, because I'm me. Okay, that's pride. Another sin. <laughs> okay, so ask yourself a question. Why is she complimenting you? Are you to be complimented? Or does she want you to know that she's complimenting you? And my sons always used to do that. Huh? You know, what's the difference? What do you mean? And, and you know, it, it takes forever because we have to fight ourselves in this, in this action, in this activity. You know, and Solomon's simply saying, look, that's the first thing that happens. That's how it begins. 
You know, nowadays parents would go, well, you know, you kids rub it on each other. That's how it starts. No, it started way before that. It started way before that with the first compliment that was given. What's the motive? <laughs> What's the reason you do that? Are you appreciative or are you trying to gain advantage? And that's what Solomon is saying here. Beware. We are so easily taken by compliment. Because after all, in our own minds, right? We don't get a lot of compliments. I mean, he or she, pretty good looking and they're paying attention to me. I don't get a lot of attention from good looking people. Is that important? We never ask ourselves that question. Is it important that I get attention from a good looking person? I think so. I like to look at them. I may think so because they like to look at me. Is that what makes a relationship? How good looking you are? Is that what makes a marriage? How good looking you are? Because I'm going to tell you in about 20 years, you ain't going to look good at all. Things are going to change. Your body's going to change. You're going to wrinkle. You're going to get old. You're going to crack and snapple and pop. And you're going to have bruises all over you and strange cuts. And you know, you're just you're going to walk hunched over and your hair is going to go gray. And your eyelids are going to be where your nose is supposed to be. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're not going to look all that great anymore. What are you concentrating on that for? Well, you know, not many people are looking, you know, pay attention to me. Good. Good. Focus on what's truly important. He says we're so easily taken by compliments, so easily taken by looks. And see, attraction, that's about sin. Sin is attractive. Sin is attractive. Sin is alluring. Sin is satisfying. Oh, I look at that and I say, wait a minute, should I be telling my kids that? Ooh, sin is fun. It feels good. It's satisfying. Dad, should you be telling me this? Yes. I have to tell you that above all else because you're going to be surrounded by myths about sin. That you're going to see it coming and that it's creepy and black and has horns on it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It comes in the most beautiful, complimentary of situations. And it is attractive. And it, it is filled with promise that's just a lie. Empty, empty promises. Isn't it nice to be appreciated though? Sure. It's nice to be appreciated. But we always have to ask ourselves, why am I being appreciated? What do you want out of me? What do you, you, know, what do you expect me to do? Do you expect something out of me for your appreciation? Or did I do something that merits your appreciation? That's what Solomon is saying. Watch out for those words of the flattery and, the, and all of that kind of thing. But more than all of that, understand this. You are complimented. You are looked upon by the most attractive in the universe. And you are promised everlasting life by the Creator of all things. That is what you should be motivated by. That is what we should remember. God did it first, and He does it best. And that's the thing we have to remember. And not only did He do it first and best, He continues to do that. Every day of your life, 
you can wake up looking like something the cat dragged through, dragged through the alley, okay? And he, he loves you. His, his, his abundance just comes out over you. You are the most beautiful thing in Him because you're His creation. You're His child. And so you might turn over and go, Honey, you know, turn the other way. God doesn't do that. Honey, don't talk to me until you brush your teeth. Okay, get out of here. No, God doesn't do that. He does not make decisions based on these things. He makes decisions based on love. But really too often, if we admit it, it's not good enough, is it, everybody? It's not good enough for me. It's not good enough for my kids or my neighbors or my friends. It's not good enough for... You know, if if we're honest... We will say, yes, I know God loves me and He continues that love and He does it best and He preserves it, but it's just not enough. I still need that pretty girl, that good-looking guy to pay attention to me and say nice things to me and make me feel good about myself. You don't feel good about yourself that the, the Creator of the universe has given you avenue to everlasting life, then you don't, feel, you, don't, you don't know how to think. That's all there is to it. If something else in this life can trump that, we're acting moronic. And we have to realize that. That's the tough part. Look again at Proverbs 5 real quick. Back again at Proverbs 5, verses 4 through 6. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol, the grave to death. Right? She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. Amen to that. There's a there's a bumper sticker that says all who wander are not lost. <laughs> okay. Well that may be true, I don't know. But could you imagine finding someone wandering who has no idea where they are and don't care? Somebody just wandering down the street and you're like, well, can I help you? No, I'll end up somewhere. Well, can I give you directions? No, I'll just keep walking. What if you starve or run out of water? Eh. You know, not a big deal. I'll just keep going until something happens. If death is the first thing that happens, then that's what happens. I'm just, I'm I'm free, man. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. See? Don't you want to be like me? No. Again, only if I'm crazy, only if I'm absolutely insane, only if I'm not thinking at all. See, that's the illustration that Solomon uses. Forethought is dead. Because that's what happens, see? Fornicators, adulterers, those who engage in sensual and sexual sins, they're not thinking of the concept of a home, are they? Wow, you're really beautiful. Oh, but you have a husband and kids. Well, I'm not going to mess up your home. (laughs) No. The one who's a fornicator, an adulterer, or adulteress, they don't think that way. They think about only what they want and what they want to do. They don't think about your spouse. Could you imagine? I can't do that with you. I I can't try to attract you. I can't try to compliment you into doing what I want you to do because you have a spouse. And he or she probably loves you, or should, and you should love them. 
So I'm just going to stop. No. Just keep wandering. Wander, wander, wander until something happens. What if you have children? Oh, if I could sit with you for a few hours and tell you the devastation that happens to children because their families fall apart because of sensual and sexual sin. It happens in my family. It happens in yours. People commit adultery, they get divorced, and the kids are ripped into every direction you could possibly think of. And if you're me, you just want to beat people sometimes. But this is just, this is the consequence of sexuality and sensuality entering into a Christian's heart and mind, or anybody's heart and mind. And we see it all the time. Sinners don't concern themselves with the idea that they may have an unwanted pregnancy. You know, those teenage girls, Mr. Wright, I'm I'm pregnant, it was an accident. No, honey, it's not an accident. You just didn't concern yourself with the fact that that's how it works. And I always tell them, you know this is how it works, right? Somebody told you that when a man and a woman do that, a child may come from that, right? And they get mad at you, like like you're calling them a moron or something. And I am. Because it's a moronic thing to do. I know what the consequences are, and I'm going to keep doing it anyway. What about the spread of disease? I've asked people that cheated on their spouses that lots of times. I've known lots of people, unfortunately, that cheat on their spouses. And I tell them, do you have any idea what gonorrhea is? AIDS? Anything like that? Syphilis, for goodness sakes. Do you, are you okay with the fact that you may be out there doing what you want to do and transfer disease to your wife or husband? Did that ever cross your blank mind? No. No, it doesn't. Because I don't care. I don't care about that. What about affecting other lives? And affecting the futures of other lives? I don't want to think about that. All I want to think about is my pleasure. Getting what I want for a brief period of time. How terrible we are. And how terrible we can be. What dark, twisted people we can be. And I know, I have first-hand knowledge of that, and you probably do as well. Maybe you were guilty of it. <laughs> you know, this is, this is the way we do things, right? And Solomon knows. And he says it's a terrible end that you come to. It's a terrible end. There's no thought, no care about the end result, which is everlasting hell. If nothing else moves you, home, children, you know, spouse, the possibility of a spread of terrible disease, how about everlasting hell? Can we wrap our minds around that? Solomon says sexual sin is self-destructive. Look in chapter 6, verses 27 through 32. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he's hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all 
the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. And Solomon doesn't mince words about when it happens either. Oh sure, adults get into this all the time. But Solomon says this preys mostly on the young. Look at what he says there in chapter 7. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the road near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. See how it works there? I remember when my my oldest son was very young, and I didn't realize I had done this. It was just kind of an added bonus. <laughs> but we were at Walmart, and I decided to turn down the liquor aisle for a shortcut right to where I was going and he, he just does this in the little seat in front of me you know in the, and I'm like what's wrong what's wrong Bradley he goes it's the poison aisle dad and I was like okay <laughs> we'll go around I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with that I'm, yeah that's good you remember that yeah let's go around there we're not going down that he thought in his young mind just going down that aisle would kill us he's like hey dad yeah, don't go down that aisle. Look at what he says here. He takes the road to her house on purpose. I know what's down there. And I'm going to go down there anyway. My kids were like, Ugh. to this day, they probably would all look at me and go, I'm kind of uncomfortable walking down this one. You know, it's not going to leap out and kill you. But yet it is death. <laughs> Isn't it? And And that's the thing. I never think about it. Why would I think about it? I was an idiot. Right? That's the idea. I never thought about it that way until it was shown to me in a pure way. But that's what that's what the Bible even says. You know where she lives? Don't go down there. You know where those people are? Don't hang out at the corner. You know she's going to walk out looking good? Don't look at her. That's the idea here. Solomon's saying again, and again, yet we just throw our kids into the world like they were animals, don't we? That we just we just do that sometimes. People have called me overprotective. People have called me odd because we don't just throw our kids to the dogs, to the snares of the wicked, and hope they don't get into it. <laughs> okay, call me crazy, but I am crazy if that's crazy. Because you don't do that. I will not apologize. I will not. I will not throw my kids into a pit. My dad was the kick them out at 18 dad. You remember that dad? You know that dad? Hey, you're 18. Time for you to go into the world. What do I do, dad? Not my problem. Call me if you need anything. Send you a money gram or something if you need it. Thanks. Now turn around, what do you think the first thing I'm going to see is? (laughs) What do you think the first thing I'm going to want is? But see, the blindness continues. 
in spite of the consequences. That's the wasted life. That's the wasted life, isn't it? The sinner says, I don't care what others think. i got to do my own thing. You know? 6.33, he will get wounds and dishonor. And his disgrace will not be wiped away. But he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He just does what he wants to do. The doomed sinner laments the debt that he's gotten himself into. The fact that his fornication, his adultery, has him with child support and having to support himself. Alimony and having to support himself. All of these things plus having to take care of himself. Because he brought it on himself. She brought it on herself. Proverbs 5, 8-10 says, Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others, and lest your years to the merciless. Let strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Simple. Simple. Stay away. And the doomed sinner cannot calculate the cost. Uh, Solomon says, it's just impossible for, for me to calculate what I'm going to do. Look at what he says there in chapter 5. Um, uh, in chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. I'm among my brothers, but I'm no part of them. I'm among the beloved of God, but I don't, I can't enjoy it. It's not what my life has allowed me to, to do. Chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. With much seductive speech, she persuades him, and with smooth talk, she compels him, right? We read that. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. His very life. I have seen fornicators and adulterers and those who were the victims of fornication and adultery. You too. You see what happens? They heap up to themselves nothing. They have to spend their effort and their, their, their power and their strength to pay for nothing. It's incredible. And look at Proverbs 7. Again, please, there, verses 6 through 9. What do we learn? What can we learn from that? We've read that. Look at what they, those, those, in his case, the young are doing. The ones who are simple, he says. What are they doing? And these are things that, you know, hopefully, you know, you may have taught your kids. I try to teach mine. Simple, simple things to understand. Never be alone with the opposite sex unless you're married. Remember, we've already established that. Don't be alone with the opposite sex. Oh, nothing's going to happen. Really? I bet you something already has. 
And I'm no mind reader. But I'm not stupid either. But we don't care, do we? Never be alone. Drives me crazy when I think my kids are alone with somebody of the opposite sex. Drives me crazy. That's exactly the pattern for death. For sin. For fornication. For loss. That's exactly what it is. Live in the daylight. I want to go on a date. Great, there's a matinee at 2 o'clock. You want to go? I was thinking maybe 8 or 9. Why? Why? I tell the kids at school, I said, you know, before you go to bed tonight at about 9 or 10, uh, you should read this, and they start laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing about? I want to end it with stupid. (laughs) I can't do that. But anyway, uh, what are you laughing about? What's so funny about being in your bed at night? I tell kids when you driver's ed, do you know how many teenagers die at night every year because they're in a, in a car drunk and driving or they get hit by a drunk? 5,000 every year. Want to be one of them? And all of them go. I said, then be in bed by 10 and get your rest. And let the stupidity go away. You sleep at night. You thrive during the day. See, Solomon is saying that. Live in the day and in public. Although that's changing. You know, there used to be a time when you weren't embarrassed by looking at people in public. They knew that in public they didn't do certain things. Now you might see things that would make your grandmother blush in public. But Solomon is teaching these are the true things. He's saying, enjoy your accountability. You're accountable. What more mature thing could there be? What more intelligent thing could there be than being accountable for your own life? And notice what he says there in verse 5. I mean, in chapter 5, sorry. Uh, Chapter 5 and verse 8. Keep your way far from her. And do not go near the door of her house. (laughs) When in doubt, run. Wow, you're the most beautiful thing I think I've ever seen. Take off the other way. Run. You're like, what are you talking about? That's counterintuitive. He was into me. She was into me. So what? Look at Joseph. Read the account there in Genesis 39, verse 12. What does he do? She's coming on to him, right? The husband won't be back. He won't know. How many times do you think young people and old people like have heard that? Nobody has to know. I can keep a secret if you can keep a secret. It can just be between us. No, you know, it's stupidity. That never happens, even if it could happen. It never happens. That's not the way things work. Because that is not the goal of all of those things. See, and that's the thing we need to remember as wisdom speaks here. Solomon says she's crying out to us. Most have strong sexual desires. That's not abnormal. You know, if my son goes, Dad, I'm really attracted to her. That's not abnormal, but run. Okay, it's not abnormal. It's not abnormal to have deep, passionate, emotional feelings for somebody. 
but it has a place. God has blessed us with the ability to to have sound marriages because of this. See, my marriage is more sound, is totally sound, if my strong sexual desires is focused upon my spouse. That's not abnormal. God designed it that way. I can't think of anybody but you. That makes your marriage stronger. That makes your family stronger. It fortifies families. Notice what what Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 20 says. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad? Streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Great question. And it is a question for the ages. Why would you do that? What does this teach us? What does 1 Corinthians 7 teach us? Only... Only in marriage. Everything else is not worth trying to delve into and be adventurous in or whatever you want to call it. Leave it alone. Leave it behind. Because it's deceptive. Every year I have gobs of conversations. Oh, I love him. Oh, I love her. He treats you like dirt. She treats you like an idiot. Well, that's okay. Love will get us through. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. What you're living is not real. And you need to run from it. And you need to leave it alone. Because when the end comes, and instead of pulling away yourself, you get shoved over the cliff, the fall is not worth it. And it's a terrible thing to teach, a terrible thing to know. A terrible thing to live. But the fact of the matter is those deceptions of the forbidden cloud your understanding. Cloud my understanding of how overwhelmingly powerful the consequences are of sexual or sensual sin. What about your reputation? You know, they used to ask me that all the time. Don't you care about your reputation? There was an age when I thought... What do I care? What others think about me? My reputation? Now I care a lot about it. That gets things done, everybody. (laughs) That makes life way easier. And Solomon is trying to teach us the paths of life. Just like David said in Acts 2 where we read this morning. Beautiful. Consider your reputation. Value your reputation. You're leaving behind a legacy. You are trying to build faith that, that, that can sustain you and God willing will, can, will sustain others. Because that life that God has promised us is priceless. Absolutely priceless. 
misspelled or not. It's absolutely priceless. And so, can we remember that? Can we remember where true joy comes from and what it's held in? I think we can. I know we can. And wisdom is crying out to us. She's crying out to us in the street. She's teaching us all we need to know so that we can have a truly, measurably joyful, meaningful, and fulfilling life. And I hope that each and every one of us would heed the counsel of Solomon. Heed the counsel of faithful others who have talked to us again and again. Heed the counsel of the Word of God that teaches us how to do everything. And that same counsel that we read in the Word of God teaches us that we need to come to God through Christ. We need to be baptized so that we can be forgiven of our sins and so that we can have a chance to live our life as it is supposed to be lived and enjoy everlasting life therein. And whether you're a Christian or not, Please keep that in mind. Remember who you are, but also remember who you can be. If you have any need, whatever it is, please allow it to be known here and now while we stand and while we sing.